Welcome to the weekly podcast show of the Institute of World Mission. I'm your host, Alex Ott, and today I must share with you, I'm excited. The reason is, we are doing something that many of you have asked for. We are sharing with you a story, a missionary story, a story of a real person, real family who serve cross-culturally at this very moment. They serve alongside with the rest of us in the Adventist missionary community. Now, I'm deeply thankful to Enid Harris, my colleague at IWM. Enid serves with the Institute for many years, and many of you know Enid personally, especially for her investment into your children. Enid is taking up our missionary story column or series here on the IWM podcast. Our missionary story episodes are the kind of things you might want to play to your family when traveling in your family vehicle, or maybe for your Friday worship. They're here for inspiration, for mutual learning, and most importantly, for mutual prayer support. In its guest today is Esau Dominguez. Esau and his family currently serve as cross-cultural church planters and missionaries in one of the countries in East Asia. An ordained minister, Esau accepted a call to cross-cultural ministry from the country of Mexico. And today, Esau is sharing his experience, his story, in the interview with Enid. Let's hear it. Welcome to the Institute of World Mission Weekly Podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross-culturally. Visit us at iwm.adventist.org slash podcast to view this podcast's show notes, links, and previous episodes. Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field. So you were born into an Adventist family in Mexico. You and your twin brother, Jacob, are two of eight siblings out of 12 that survived. So being from a large family, you had to do your part to help support the family. Can you give us just a little glimpse of what that was like? Sure, it's my privilege. First, thank you so much, Enid, for this opportunity to share my story. Uh, living in poverty amongst a big family required much work of all of us. Mm-hmm. I remember that since about six years of age, we all had to help dad. He had a, a land quite big, and we had to show like a lot of vegetables and carrots and onions and corn and zucchinis, mm-hmm. like, like little squash, mm-hmm. and uh, many others. So I remember with, like if, like if it was yesterday, that every, every morning, early in the morning before beginning the work, we will uh, line up in the furrows. My dad will mm-hmm. take off his hat. We'll do all the same. And then he will pray to God. And then he will do something really special. He will set apart two furrows for Sabbath school investment offering. And it, is, it was amazing that every single time those two furrows will give twice the harvest mm-hmm. of the, all the others. I mean, it was every time the same thing. And we knew those mm-hmm. were special because those were from God. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> my dad still does the, the same thing when he, when he uh, uh, plants whatever plants he mm-hmm. does. Anyway, after I learned the principle of hardworking, mm. uh, then I got interested in in ministry because 
I preached my first little sermon when I was about 10, and, okay. uh, and I enjoyed it. And mm -hmm. people began to call me little pastor and invited me to other churches around town. I'm talking about really, really poor towns in, in one state of Mexico. Okay. And uh, it, was, it was my joy. So I'm sure God led the way in my life. He showed his power by making it possible for us to continue to high school. And it was mm -hmm. necessary to move to another city to work really hard. So by the age of 14, we had to work night shifts from Sunday to Thursday, drive 30 kilometers on bicycle a day, and then work Sundays from sunrise to sunset in order to be able to continue high school. Wow. I'm talking about my twin brother, Jacob, and yeah. my brother, Joel, through all Ooh. the three of us. Wow. That was quite uh, something for 14-year-olds to be able to, um, you know, work night shift and then go to school afterwards. Is that right? It is. So, it was really hard. Hmm, those were certainly tough and difficult days, but God is faithful and he saw you through those difficult times. Later on, he opened the way for you to study at Monte Morelos University in Mexico, where you prepared yourself for ministry. So... Looking back over the years, it was at an early age of five or six that God planted a seed in your heart, a desire to be a missionary in another country. Mission stories captivated your heart. You remember the little songs that missionaries, uh, the, about missionaries that went like this. The plane goes flying to the mission land, flying, flying mission plane. So these were songs that you learned in Sabbath school, no less. And so in your childish mind and deep in your heart, a question was always knocking. What would it be like to become a missionary? And that dream was born in your heart back then. So let's fast forward to August 2017. God is about to fulfill that dream that was born in your heart when you were a child. An opportunity opened for your family to go and serve as missionaries overseas. Now. Remembering that you used to tell God, the more distant, the better. In other words, you were really wanting to go very far away, as far as possible. Is that right? <laughs> yes, it was. I really wanted to, I asked God, the farther the better, so I would really be a missionary, uh -huh. uh, like to see if, if that's going to work <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> for me. Yeah. So you were willing and excited about the opportunity, but you, you knew too that uh, you could not make the decision all all by yourself. You, you you needed your family to be in agreement. And your children, they were in their teen years. What was their reaction? Well, when after praying and I gently brought the news to my family, mm. our children, Alex was 15, Marilla was 12. They disliked the, the idea. And then due to my studies in different districts I uh, have been assigned to, they have not had the chance to attend the Seventh-day Adventist school. And they were finally studying in Adventist school because mm -hmm. we were called to the city where the mission was. Mm -hmm. it, it was the only Adventist school there was in the whole uh, mission. I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. our, our mission in, in Veracruz. Uh, it was hard for them. So on the day you shared the news with your family, your wife and daughter were leaving to go and visit uh, your mother-in-law. And uh, But you needed an answer, and you told your daughter to phone you that night at 7.30 with her answer, because you had to give your answer to the union president uh, in a phone call at 8 p.m. So, Marielle phoned you. What did she say? 
Yeah, actually, my wife told me later, uh, she remembered real, real good how Marielle was insisting mm. uh, in borrowing her phone a little before 7.30. And my wife, I mean, it was not common for my wife to let Marielle have her phone. Okay. So she was like, what do you need it? I have to call <laughs> daddy. I have to call him. I have to call him before 7.30. <laughs> so he called me right at 7.30. And then he, she told me that, well, she really loved the school and... She was really happy with her friends and the Adventist school and mm. she really didn't want to kind of just abandon them or leave them behind. But then her soft, her, her soft voice broke and she said, but if this is from God, mm. I really want to do his will. I know it's wow. going to be difficult, but yeah, go ahead. I want to do God's will. Mm. So that really touched my heart. And mm -hmm. since, since that day, we started praying for the Lord's guidance and asking him like Moses did. Actually, we asked him for two things. Mm -hmm. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Mm -hmm. And the second, give us mm -hmm. love and passion mm -hmm. for the, to save the Thai people. Mm -hmm. Because we knew it was going to be to Thailand that we were, we were going to be sent. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I expressed to my union president our willingness to come to Thailand, um, just by faith, I got into action. So I started learning Thai on my own. <laughs> and uh, we launched to Thailand on, on June the 10th, 2018, and settled in Chiang Mai for language study. Thai classes would, would not start until mid-August, so... The house God miraculously provided to rent was available until August. So we went to Chiang Mai Adventist Academy about an hour from Chiang Mai mm -hmm. to enroll our children at school. Uh, they both asked us to stay in the dormitory and mm -hmm. that was quite a financial challenge for us. Mm -hmm. uh, but we, we agreed and God blessed us and we went to pick them up on weekends. So mm -hmm. it was quite a challenge for them, especially for Marielle. So what happened after that? Marielle would cry a lot every single Sunday when we took them back. Mm. We even offered her the opportunity or, or just stay home with us. You don't have to go to school. Uh, and, but she said, no, no, no. I know it's hard, but I know the only way that I will learn Thai is if I stay there. Oh, wow. So, yeah, she, then, was <laughs> she was determined. She was determined. What do you think was, was one of your biggest challenges when you got to Thailand? I am sure that it was language. Language mm. was the biggest challenge for all of us. Not being able to understand nothing at all of what people spoke was very yes. frustrating. Mm -hmm. When going to stores, when trying to give directions to a, a, a taxi driver or grab like mm -hmm. Uber here. For example, one day I put my wife and Marielle, Alex was in the academy. He didn't come uh, to us or with us that weekend. In a grab car with the groceries we bought at the store, and there were many, so I had to uh, put them in the car, and I had to mm -hmm. go to the hospital in the little motorbike we, we mm -hmm. had. So about two hours later, I had to go find a car <laughs> to guide the driver to our home. <laughs> okay. Oh, two wow. hours later, when oh. it would take like eight to ten minutes to get oh. home. <laughs> it was so frustrating to try to understand the driver where she was, because it was a lady, but anyway, uh, yeah, that, that, was, that was one of the <laughs> frustrations we had with language. Mm -hmm. uh, on top of that, uh, Thai classes were really fun, but really exhausting and intense. Mm. Uh, I was kind of uh, 
desperate that I needed to learn faster. So I actually enrolled after about four months. I enrolled in two schools. I was going to two schools all day long. And then all the, all mm. afternoon, I was studying and doing my homework. But the hard part of Thai language is that, like most Asian languages, it's a tonal language. Mm. And even though mm-hmm. you are saying the right word, if the tone is not the right tone, they would not understand. Mm. There are five different tones. Yeah. 44 consonants and 32 vowels. Mm. Although not all of these are used, most of them are. And some sound very, very similar. The consonants are divided in three groups and the tones change when the vowels are combined with different vowels and final consonants. Uh, Then (laughs) when you think you've got all these rules, already Uh memorized them, already mastered them all. Then come the exceptions to the rules. Okay, yes. You have to learn new rules. <laughs> Another challenge is that since this is a culture of caste uh, and hierarchy, there are three different levels of terms in the language. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are the common terms, the official mm-hmm. terms, and the royal mm-hmm. terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, this uh, monarchy country. So the the royal terms are used in the Bible and in prayers and for all the, the Christian uh, vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So to use a, a lower level of terms would be very, very disrespectful. Mm. So we attended seven months of Thai classes in Chiang Mai and then had to move to Buriram province for church planting. Since our union only voted three years for our mission service, we couldn't spend more time with language. So I didn't have the time to study Bible, Bible biblical terms. And that has been a big challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able, though, to to learn how to write and, and read, thank God. So I bought the next level uh, books at the language school and every day I continued to dedicate some time to study the biblical terms on my own. So that has been the biggest challenge, but God has blessed us. And now I can, I can be able to read the Bible and continue actually to learn every day at least two hours to dedicate to language study because even though I'm able to communicate. I'm able to uh, preach and give Bible studies in Thai. Um, I still feel really uh, inadequate. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. inadequate. Mm-hmm. I didn't learn mm-hmm. so much more. Mm-hmm. So many times they speak too fast, mm-hmm. and I, I can I can understand everything, and that's not satisfying. <laughs> well, yes, and you're also a high achiever, and of course, um, I I believe the Thai language is very difficult to learn. Uh, and yet, I I think you've done very well. Uh, the other day when we were chatting on WhatsApp, I heard you speak in Thai to um, a gentleman. And I wonder if you can say something to uh, so that we can hear what it sounds like. Just uh, sure. say say a sentence or so in Thai. So okay. We can... okay, I could say, Kokum Prajao, Kokum Praong, Sarab Prayasu, T, Praong, Sade, Ma, Nailo, Krang, T, so I said, thank God, because he sent Jesus the first time. Mm. And if we believe in him, we can receive salvation. So, wow. I mean, yes. <laughs> wow. This is, this is amazing. Um, you know, and, and being able to speak the language and commun- just to be able to communicate with the people opens up just a whole new world. You're entering into their world 
And I just praise the Lord for you and your family for being able to learn so quickly. I mean, uh, the, yeah, this, this is really this language. That. Yeah. And and your your eagerness and your desire to learn. And uh, even when I heard Marielle speak, you know, uh, I was so touched by the fact that she can speak Thai uh, as well. Now, how about the food? How did you adjust to uh, the local cuisine there uh, in, in Thailand after <laughs> coming was, from Mexico? That was the, I was, I'm not sure if that or the, or the culture was the second biggest challenge. But yeah, food <laughs> is really different than in Mexico. Uh, many people will think that Mexicans can eat hot, uh-huh. hot food. But mm-hmm. I mean, when you compare with Thai people, we only <laughs> eat mild food. I know. <laughs> Thai people really eat very hot. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were determined to adapt ourselves to the changes because as I learned from a good friend, my attitude determines my altitude. Mm-hmm. So if I say I like, like that. Oh, I don't like, I don't like that. Uh-huh. I'm really picky and we would not enjoy. So after the first month and a half and not being able to have a kitchen, I lost nine kilos and I weighed 55 kilos only. And oh. Most of our my life has been really skinny. So, I mean, losing mm-hmm. nine kilos mm-hmm. for me was like, I would see stars sometimes. And then oh. I have to go to the hospital and, and, and tell my oh. doctor. And she said, oh, it's okay. It's just you, you need to uh, get more weight. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh. so, thank God we, were, we managed to kind of invent, if I would uh-huh. tell you details, you will laugh, but kind of invent <laughs> a way to make some familiar food as well. Mm-hmm. So now I love sontam, which is papaya salad, green papaya okay. salad. That's going to be spicy too. <laughs> yeah, it can be spicy, yeah. Uh-huh. It can be spicy or mild. So no doubt you'll also learn to eat uh, mango and sticky rice, right? Of course. Mamuan, let kao niao. Yes. Okay. Hi. Mamuan is mango and then kao niao. It's sticky rice. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, I have to learn that. <laughs> uh, so Mexico is so far from Thailand, but how are you coping and dealing with the cultural differences, uh, you know, having moved to, to Thailand? Well, just let me tell you a little bit so you can have a good idea. Uh, the culture is very different and can be really frustrating. I know you were a missionary. I don't know in what country, but, well, one makes mistakes. Uh-huh. Because you think you're doing the proper thing, but then you realize that, oh, I should not do this. And uh, I mean, yes. you would do it because you think it's, it's very good, even though. Mm-hmm. So we had the big blessing to attend the Institute of World Missions early this year and learn so many things. Then as we were learning much about transition and culture shock and all that it takes for to go overseas as missionary, oh, we went like, oh... No wonder. <laughs> I understand now why this had happened to us. Oh, okay. Yeah, but too late. We already <laughs> went through there. Anyway, we at least understood why. So almost everything is different here. The way mm-hmm. they eat, the way they, what they eat, the way they celebrate, the way they greet each other, and even driving is different than in my country. Because mm-hmm. in my country, is uh, the steering wheel is on the left side, you drive on the right side, and here is backwards. Uh, many missionaries have it easy that way because they come here and in their country it's just the same. But yes. it happens in my country is completely different. Uh-huh. So yeah, that was that was frustrating as well. But God bless us, and now I can drive like a local. Okay, <laughs> so fit right in. <laughs> the, yeah, so the worldview is different, 
Mm-hmm. Once you understand what they believe, then you understand why they behave in those ways. Exactly. For example, for Buddhism, showing emotions is a sign of weakness because everything changes. So mm-hmm. you must not develop attachments, otherwise you will suffer. And suffering is a big deal for Buddhism. It's the key word. So because nothing is permanent but transitory. So there's no crying on funerals, no crying on farewells. People don't hold hands. They don't kiss or hug in public in a romantic way, I mean. Mm-hmm. Saving face is most important and the capital sin in society is to get angry and be disrespectful. So Thai people tend to be very gentle and smiley, but they do have emotions. It's just they are not supposed to show them in public. So God has blessed us, and I believe that now we can say we have adopted well, mm-hmm. and we always miss everything in our country family and friends and food especially but i think this is normal let me ask you this the main religion in thailand is buddhism is it easy for buddhists to become christians it's really really a challenge it it's only god's work that mm. can do that the holy spirit because mm-hmm. let me explain buddhism is really interwoven with thai culture and it is actually heavily influenced by animism mm. so being thai is being buddhist Yes. And giving up Buddhism is like giving up your homeland that by the way has never been colonized mm-hmm. and giving up family as well. Most of rituals and celebrations are related to religion. At schools for example, they have Buddhist rituals every day and special celebrations at family, at work, etc. Mm-hmm. Every single Buddhist family home, business and public building have a spirit house which is like a little altar a shrine mm. where offerings are given to the spirits when they build for example a house or whatever they want to build even if it is the biggest airport in thailand they call the the buddhist monk or monks that come and do the rituals they have nearly 20 holidays and most of them are related to the religion for buddhist when there is a funeral the body mm. must be cremated in the buddhist temple otherwise the disease may not pass to the next life because they believe in reincarnation mm-hmm. so becoming a christian raises up this question uh what's going to happen with my body when i die and there are very few cemeteries nationwide all of them i believe are from christian denominations buddhists also believe that they are safe if they behave properly if they uh, keep the five uh, commandments for laymen in buddhism um make enough merit and then they will reach the nothing mode i call it or mm-hmm. nirvana mm-hmm. so after many reincarnations so it is not easy at all for buddhists to give up their beliefs or lifestyle however what is impossible to man is possible for god praise be his name amen yeah uh, in the area in the area of evangelism for example we have been really blessed as as well we moved to another uh city after being in the north in chumai so we came to this uh small city once about a month and a half before moving uh because we needed to find a home to rent in that time we came uh there was a little group already here very very tiny baby i'll say between uh eight to ten people and then elderly most of them and then one teacher came as a visitor that day and then she liked the the worship service she liked the sermon that i had the privilege to to preach mm-hmm. and then when 
of course, they knew we were coming back. So we moved back a month and a half later. And then next day after we arrived, she took us to her friend and uh, continue, uh, began Bible mm -hmm. studies that first Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So that was the first Wednesday of many more uh, to come. And we give Bible studies to them. Uh, others join us. So five, five weeks later, uh, this, this second teacher asked us on her own to help her get rid of all her altars mm. and pictures and amulets and from her religion because she was afraid of doing it on her own. Mm. And uh, we have to, to realize that even though we know what the Bible says about believing in those things, we mm. also know what the Bible says about the fallen angels and mm -hmm. the leader. Mm -hmm. So we went to her house and we had a time of prayer. We read about God's protection and headed out to a lonely place. I broke everything with a hammer I had in my hand and set up everything on fire. I remember the story of the mm. Ephesians. Yes. And then yes. four months later, last November, both friends requested mm. baptism along with three of their children. The mm. husband of one of them also requested baptism. Sadly, he has not remained the Lord, but we still pray for him every day. Yes. And another lady also begged us to allow her to be baptized. So seven in total. Mm. Then last uh, July the 4th, we had the joy to baptize another lady and her 21-year-old daughter. Time is not enough to, to in this occasion to share the, all the prayers and miracles mm. God has mm. answered uh, and, and performed in this family. But Sister Susie, that's her name, the mother, she really says that Actually, it's only the nickname. Mm -hmm. uh, she says really that she they have been really, really blessed ever since they joined us, joined us and began to study the Bible with us. Amen. So wow. this lady took us a few weeks ago to her friends, a mid-age lady and her husband. And we share about Jesus and her, his plan of salvation for about three hours. Uh, they live in the field about 20 kilometers. They uh raise like uh they cultivate flowers and different mm -hmm. plants mm -hmm. so this sabbath uh i'll call it the new disciple of, of jesus uh pa susie uh, auntie yes. susie uh -huh. um forward for me some messages of this new lady where she's saying that she really wants to join us for worship on sabbaths mm -hmm. and as soon as the rain allows them because they they live uh the, where they live the the roads with the rain get really yeah. really muddy and messy mm -hmm. and uh, they will come so there's another group we have been visiting in another city about 110 kilometers from us uh, back in march 15 people got baptized um, wow. i didn't baptize them but they got baptized in the Adventist church mm -hmm. and so we we were <clears throat> studying with them and mm -hmm. we continue to visit them here and there like at least twice per month mm -hmm. and uh, there are five more people requesting baptism so we had in December, for example, last December here in the city we live, we had a Christmas program. Uh, it was very nice. Uh, we put up like a little sketch with the children mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we have all their the garments and everything. Custom. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, custom. We invited the, the adults, the community and about maybe I think more than 20 adults came and about 30 kids and they really enjoyed it. Mm. And uh, we even came with the idea of making this uh, Mexican tradition with piñatas oh know, okay. you know what a piñata is yes yes uh -huh. uh, you, okay yes. you stuff it with candies and uh -huh. you have to heat it and yes. i mean they didn't know about it but we yeah. thought let's do it 
to introduce a cultural another cultural aspect <laughs> it was so uh-huh. fun so mm-hmm. fun it was funny that even the the adults wanted to hear the okay. piñata so, yeah so, it was yeah, a new a experience time. for them <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah yes so uh-huh. then uh in the lockdown because of this pandemic uh mm. we gave away about 60 full bags to the people in that was most need and the most needy people and mm. recently we began to visit a village uh on sabbath afternoon to teach children how to play the ukulele so that's a very good idea. Really that teaches mm-hmm. the classes she was really blessed she has yes. pretty much learned on her own nearly mm. gave yes. her a ukulele uh-huh. Interval missions and oh, Marie so loves it, uh-huh. and uh, she now is pretty good at ukulele. So yeah, the children get really excited to learn. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about simple, simple yes. things, just yes. a couple of chords and a couple little mm-hmm. songs. But that is mm-hmm. enough to get him really of excited. Course. And uh, we take some uh, snacks or fruit. And then this uh, 27th of September, we had a health expo. With the help of a team that came from another city, about mm-hmm. four hours from us, based on the new Star Principles, and uh, it was really a, a blessing for three different villages, and uh, many people came, and uh, we continue to do our best efforts and to trust God that He is guiding our mission here in this place. Mm. What a What an inspiring testimony you have! As I'm sitting here uh, listening to you, I can just visualize, you know, all that is what is happening there. Uh, it sounds like you have a very full and um, enriching experience with uh, people wanting by uh, requesting Bible studies and and the programs that you're offering to uh, bring the community together. So as we conclude. Um, I was just wanted to ask you this question. You chose as uh, an interesting title for this story, this your story. You said, "I will be a missionary, or I'll be nothing." This is the title that you chose. What made you choose this title? "I will be a missionary, or I'll be nothing." I believe that after going through many different trials and situations, because I mean, there are many, many more stories that I could tell, mm-hmm. but we have no time. I'm sure. But we have really seen the hand of God leading us and providing. We indeed have seen miracles every single time, with financial difficulties, with different situations. The answer to prayers, right there, that the veteran said, mm. "Pastor, you really have the Holy Spirit." I go like, "The Holy Spirit really has us." Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I read in. A book called Pathways to Global Understanding about the first missionaries overseas. Their journey to their mission field lasted, or yeah, took about up to three months, mm. facing all kinds of weather and difficulties. Many of them carried their belongings in a wooden box to be used mm. after coffin later. Wow. And even more, they knew that their life was going to end in maximum two years due to local illnesses. Mm. I don't know what happened to these people that had this determination, but I want the same thing to happen to me. So I want to have the same courage and willingness they had. Being a missionary, I believe, is having love for the laws that moves us to outreaching, moves us to action, mm. to outreach them, whether in your neighborhood, in our town, in our city, or in another country. Mm. And this love and passion to save the lost is a sign of salvation as well. And the result of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Therefore, 
if we are not missionaries, we are nothing because mm. we have not been saved. And we're not doing it to be safe, but we do it because we have been saved and we have yeah. that joy. Right. So I love the words of Psalms uh, chapter 126, verses 4 and 5. It says, those who show in tears will reap with songs of joy. And you know, this part really was a, a reality in our life. We have cried so many yes. times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the second part says, uh -huh. those who go out weeping, mm -hmm. carrying seed to sow. Mm -hmm. There's not sowing the seed without weeping. Right. It's difficult. But the third part, I loved it. will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Amen. In it, I really understand this verse because yes. with the experience I had, Helping my dad and my brothers, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know what it means to yeah. work for a plan, mm -hmm. to plant it, to uh, have thorns in your toes or fingers trying to, yes. to sow. Yes. And then the hard work that takes to cultivate and to see them grow. I mean, it takes time. It does. You wish that you plant the corn, next day you're harvesting, but no, mm. it Patience. takes time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But after so much uh, sweating, after so mm -hmm. much hard work, when you go, Take those uh, fresh corn out of the corn mm. plant mm -hmm. and you eat it or you come back with your harvest. Yes. The new beans, whatever you planted, it's a big joy. It is. So that multiplies in a bigger, big, big, mm -hmm. big way mm -hmm. when it is about the spiritual. And Amen. When, when I've been baptizing, I mean, people are excited, Amen. but at the moment, I'm excited the most. Yes. <laughs> These are yes. our fruits. Yes. Are, they are from God. Mm -hmm. But we feel we have been blessed. Yes, you truly know. Um, and and this, this verse, uh, these two verses has uh, a lot of meaning for you. Um, and that seed that God planted in your heart as a child has grown. And you are now carrying out uh, that mission and, and ministry that he has uh, started in you. I just want to um, say that. I like what the, the statement that Mark Finley talks about uh, mentions in, in this quarter's Sabbath school lesson on the 13th. You sensed God's call to a higher purpose. And uh, so I, I believe that for you as well. So as we close, what in particular would you like our listeners to pray for in your ministry? I would ask him our, our to pray uh, that our Lord will continue to give us access to more people. Mm. I think mm. that is a key word, access. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to bless us even more with the language. And then, and that if it is his will, that he will grant us more time so we can see more results. Because really two years in the field, in this uh, situation, I mean, with doctoral theses, it, it, it takes mm. eight to ten years yes. for a Buddhist to become a Christian. Yes. So two years is just, not enough. We're just scratching the surface. Yeah. Uh, as, it, as it were. Yes. So that is but, our, our prayer request. Yes. Well, amen. Uh -huh. And thank you so very much for sharing your story. Uh, I can listen even longer. Uh, but let uh -huh. us pray together. I just want to pray. Amen. Pray thank you. Thank you. Okay. Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for calling Brother Esau and his wife, Elvia. Marielle and Alex, to labor for you in your field, in your mission. Thank you so much for their dedication and commitment to the work that uh, you have called them to do. And I just want to pray a special blessing for them, for their safety, for their, their health, 
and the desires of their heart that they uh, have requested access to more people there in Thailand and um, a continued uh, ability to to learn the language and grow in that area already you have used them in a mighty way and I just want to thank you for for that for the inspirational um, message that we have heard tonight thank you for providing for their needs it's not easy but you have will not let them down they've seen it over and over throughout their lives so thank you for hearing us and for blessing us in Jesus name we pray amen amen together with Enid we intend to bring more missionary stories to you over time in conclusion, I would like to remind you about our upcoming live event, a webinar. It's called Your Home is a Mission Field. As you can see, it will be devoted to helping your family overcome difficulties of cross-cultural ministry, especially your children. We have tremendous guests. Our colleague Ronald Kuhn will be the host. It is promising to be a very special event that we are organizing for you. Find the link in the show notes and register for the webinar. It will take place on October 15th. My name is Alex Ott and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Have a blessed upcoming Sabbath. Sabbath.